1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Hello, my name is Jake and Orton, and this is Peculiar, because church people are weird. Okay, welcome back, and welcome. We have another edition. I think this will be our this will be our third ever interview with this one. <laughs> yeah, third ever interview with this particular podcast. Now I've done plenty on the OG that I have with my sister and brother-in-law, but now we have with us, um, you may have noticed, we've went live a couple of times on the Instagram page, where we are having some special services at the church this week, and I asked our guest preacher to be with us on the podcast, so don't you say hello, Brother Ryan Neener. <laughs> Well, hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hopefully I can uh, be a blessing some way. Yeah. So the name of this podcast is Peculiar, and I use the tagline because church people are weird. So yes. I've, I have started us off every interview we've had. Have you ever been called weird for this yes. thing? Yes. Yes, I have. I've actually... <laughs> had people tell me to go drink the Kool-Aid and, you know, don't go to that church. They drink Kool-Aid. And uh, uh, referring to us kind of like as a cult and that, you know, we're crazy and different. And I concur. We are crazy and we are different, but it's a good crazy. And I'm glad to be a part of the church. Okay. It's a good crazy. So, past couple weeks, I've been uh, talking about uh, now I like alliteration on this. Uh, I, I think I have titled every single episode with some form of alliteration. Uh -huh. um, just because when the Bible said peculiar people, it just flows. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've talked about peculiar, uh, peculiar um, purpose, peculiar, um, a peculiar playlist when I decided to talk about our church music a little bit. Yeah. A peculiar playbook talking about the uh -huh. Bible. <laughs> I like it. Um, peculiar preaching was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. But I've just decided to title our interview episodes Peculiar People. Yeah. But uh, I mentioned Peculiar Purpose. That was actually the last two weeks we've just kind of talked about that. Finding your purpose, finding... Uh, we use the term God's will in the church. Yes. And, of course, um, will. We're not talking about uh, the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were talking about what what does God want you to do with your life. So, why don't you t just tell us a little bit about how is it that you have, uh, in your life in particular... What has God's will looked like for you in your process well, of finding that? At first, I mean, coming into the church when I was 17, I had no concept of the will of God or 
God's desire, ultimately, God's plan. And that was so far from my mind. It was, I was so given to what I want in the moment, you know, partying, drugs, and it was, it was all about me. But then when I came into church, uh, knowing God's will, his desire, and that he has a plan, uh, that came to me through preaching that, okay, God does have a plan, but then, okay, how do I find that plan? And there's a thing called death <laughs> where you, you, we, we say that we die in and through repentance and then we bury the old man in baptism, all of this, but knowing God's will, I first had to surrender mine. I had to take what I wanted, my desires, um, the things that I was reaching for in my life, which at 17 wasn't a whole bunch because I was not thinking too far ahead. But I had to lay down what I wanted because to fulfill God's will, I had to lay down my will. To see God's plan, I had to lay down any plans that I had. That's why Paul says, I die daily. He wasn't saying that he actually died physically, but he was surrendering his will. He was surrendering what he wanted, laying it down so that he could have God's will. Because a lot of times we live in the moment. We live so in the moment that we can't see beyond right now. And a lot of times, like when I was at 17, the, the teenage brain does not develop it's prefrontal cortex, that part of the brain that's long-term decisions. Teenagers don't even develop that until 25. So it's like they can't make these long-term decisions. Uh, they usually live in their amygdala, which is their feelings. It's like how they feel in the moment. It's like just, oh, I, you know, this is what I want. This is what I feel. But we, like me, I had to get beyond my amygdala in my prefrontal cortex and make some long-term decisions because if you live in the moment you'll miss out on God's plan right so that's kind of where Paul was he said I die daily daily he was laying down um, his will so he could ultimately see God's will in the long run right and what right. God desired so so you you mentioned teenagers don't seem to uh, I'm actually scientifically true yeah the brain's not done till developed till 25 yet here in the United States we've decided that we we let you make all your decisions by uh, 21 right so <laughs> that causes some issues now and I noticed in the church I mean uh, we are willing to let people do stuff as young as uh, who knows just we'll, we'll let you do something at yeah. any age um, I started preaching when I was 10 years from 25 so uh, uh, you however talk about something I've noticed over the past few days you talk about everybody's a minister yeah so now we'll hone that in you talked about a, a certain particular calling there are 
we talk about people have a particular certain thing they're supposed to do. Everyone's got their one little thing. But what and what is something we can do to just expound on what that everybody's a minister versus a ministry? Yeah. Well, the Bible talks about um, that there is a generic, um, all-encompassing calling to every saint of God to be a servant, right? And then there's the specific where you begin to flow into a certain vein of, of ministry. Uh, now, I don't want to use too much phraseology that might uh, throw somebody off. So when I say a certain vein, it's a certain branch of ministry where you do a certain, like you become an expertise or you get expertise in a certain area of ministry, um, like, like a pastor or an evangelist or uh, you know, Bible study teacher, um, but in generic, in the I don't want generic sounds so like a like a run of the mill word. It's not a good word, but there's a all encompassing calling to be a servant. But here's how you find your particular um, lane that you're going to get in: is you just start serving, doing whatever you can. Um, I mean holding doors open for people, picking up trash on the side of the road. You just start being a, a servant in every sense of the word because it's easier to steer something that's already in motion. All right. So you just start moving towards being a servant. And the more and more you become a servant, just doing anything you can around the house of God, but doing anything you can to open doors, walking old ladies across the, the intersection, whatever that service may look like, when you are serving in any capacity. We had a young man this week. He was actually um, getting me a bottle of water. He was, you know, saving a spot for me to park when I pulled up to the church and doing all these things. And I told him, I said, ministry, like true apostolic ministry, ministry falls on moving targets because God is not going to anoint somebody that's stagnant, standing still. He is going to direct and steer somebody that's already in motion because if you get in a car and it's not even started up and you try to crank that wheel, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to steer when the car's not moving and to turn that wheel. But if you get that car in motion, just the slightest touch to that steering wheel will send it careening off the road because it's so much easier to steer something that is already in motion. So I would say the easiest way to find your particular calling is to start functioning in a uh, general calling of being a servant. And God will begin to direct you in certain things that are in alignment with maybe your personality or your characteristics and the way that he created you, right? See, I was always very outgoing, loved to be in front of people. And it's no coincidence that I, I'm, I'm not afraid to get up in front of everybody and, and all of a sudden be this preacher. That wasn't a big deal for me, right? It just was in line and flowed with the way God created me, but it started, it started with literally me just uh, picking up trash, 
cleaning up around the church, holding doors open. It started, ultimately, my pastor, he, um, he asked me to, we had a man in the church, he had polio when he, was, when he was young and he was paralyzed on one side of his body. But he could still drive and everything because he had one side of his body that worked. So he would use that side to drive, which I don't know how that works, but... Um, Sounds scary. <laughs> yeah. He got from A to B. But he always had his wheelchair in the back. And so my pastor taught me, um, go go clean, clean the snow off the parking lot for where Dan parks. Dan was his name. He said, you got to help Dan in. And Dan would pull up for every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every prayer meeting on Monday. And it was my job. It was my ministry to go and get his wheelchair out of his back uh, of his car and, you know, set it up and help him get out of the car. And then I would wheel him into the church. Then when church was done, I'd wheel him back out. And it's like, I took on this general calling of a servant doing that. And now years down the road, uh, I can say from this point, looking back, we have seen at least five people that have come out of wheelchairs that God has done miracles for that it's not like we seen them at a distance. We're in a big conference and we seen them come out of wheelchairs. No, I'm talking about like we were standing in front of the wheelchair and we were the one praying in the name of Jesus and then come out of wheelchair, people that were paralyzed, people that were uh, literally curled up in a little ball, actually here in Kentucky, um, them curled up in a little ball and watched them come out uh, of that wheelchair. So we've seen people, the miraculous, right? And the Lord spoke to me. You would have never been able to stand in front of those wheelchairs and pull people out of them unless you had first stood behind that wheelchair all those years with Dan. Because God was teaching me to serve in a general sense of ministry before that he could trust me with the particular power in those particular callings, you know, of being an evangelist and all this. So, um, yeah, you just have to flow in the general calling of a servant before you can see these specific areas of calling in your life and see the miraculous. So there's another thing I'm, Growing up, I hated the question, what do you want to do when you grow up? Mm. Because I like to, because I would think so detailed and hate to just, oh man, I would love to, like, I, you hear kids say, oh, I want to be president. I'm like, I would think as, as a five-year-old even think that sounds like a really hard job because right? I'm, <laughs> I'm not thinking of power. I'm thinking of great responsibility with the power <laughs> right I'm like, I hated the question because I would like think of every little detail what does that entail yeah all the little details and be like okay firefighter sounds cool but dying doesn't <laughs> right <laughs> but anyway you mentioned all these different roles and everything and you just said serve yeah the simplest thing is to just start figure out what you like, what you're good at, and right. that's kind of a hint. <laughs> right. Because God did design you for a purpose. 
Um, so, but one of the big questions is, if I start with one thing, do I stay there? And usually no, because I don't see many 60-year-old youth pastors. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, I don't, I, you, you might see 60-year-old Sunday school teachers. You don't see many 60-year-old youth pastors. Right. Teenagers are a different ballgame. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so how, how do we start? How do we get over not wanting to start because we're not sure where it's going to end? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I mean, on the whole topic of serving, yeah, it's like Jesus, when he came, the Bible says he took on the form of a servant, right? Mm-hmm. And he could have came in the form of anything. Yeah. He didn't come in the form of a preacher. He didn't come in the form of an evangelist. He, he came in the form of a servant. So you see that that's how Jesus, he puts, he puts an emphasis on being a servant. Because servants, God, because God, yes, he wants us to be leaders. He wants us to be great, all this, right? But he's not going to let you lead what he, what, and let me say it like this. He's not going to let you lead what you don't first love. So, service is a way to test to see if you love so he can see if he can trust you to lead. And I remember I was youth pastor um, back in Iowa. And what we would do, I was also youth pastor and outreach director <laughs> and nursery and no, I'm small uh, church. Yeah, small church happens. I mean, happens all the time, <laughs> right? It's like you're doing everything. But I just so happen to be the youth pastor, and also the outreach director. So what I would do, I would engage young people in the purpose of God, fulfilling the mission, and help them to be servants, right? Because I knew that. To keep somebody, they have to be plugged into purpose. They have to be plugged into the bigger purpose, something that causes them to live beyond the moment that they are in. So um, knowing like picking up a piece of trash is not that big a deal, we would think, right? It's just a piece of trash, you know? Um, But we took the young people out and we would load up a cooler full of uh, soda Mm -hmm. and we'd take out cookies and Twinkies and all this and we'd go to a trailer park and all we would do for that Saturday outreach is we would just pick up trash that's all we did just pick up trash hand out sodas hand out Twinkies right and we're just kind of what do you, they, they'd ask what are you out here doing and I'd be like well we're um we're just we're just serving we just want to serve right um, and we did that for a couple weeks but then like the fourth Saturday we would go back everybody's starting to know us as a youth group everybody's starting to, and then we would then do like a picnic and we would serve them we'd give them some food or whatever um, but then we ended from that we'd bring 17 people but first time guests back to the church all because we were serving and like the kids didn't understand it just picking up trash at the moment but 
it was it wasn't the trash it was what god was doing with their hearts it was getting them in motion it was causing them to serve and it was plugging them into a greater purpose so now when they see those same people they were serving now sitting in our pews they were like wow what i do matters it has there, there, there's purpose behind it and when we see those kids get the holy ghost we see them get baptized it's like they realize okay the service is attached to a greater purpose yes right but how do you transition i think is the 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 question how do we go from one season to another yeah you know is um it's just service on another level yeah it's the same direction it's the same um, posture we're serving but you just serve in a different season to different people yeah right so you, you notice that change is coming. Yeah. And you start to realize there's a another area, there's a different sort of calling starting to come in here. Yeah. Well I've heard it I've heard it said like this. Any if you can count to ten, you count to a million. Yeah. Because it's built on the same concept, one to ten, right? one two three four and you count all the way to ten then you can count to a million because it's all built on um you know like 11 i heard it said one time 11 is just one on another level <laughs> so if you can get the basics down if you can count to 10 you can you can count to a million you can go way beyond that 10 because if you have the fundamentals down there's no telling how far you can go you know okay so um and i know we're not wanting to go too long here <laughs> no you're fine man okay uh uh but anyway kind of what let's get into it yeah i you've got this i've got this thought rolling in in the head here so there are people out there and so often when we hear the word, I know you're you've got the picture of service clearly going here. Uh huh. But and you can serve in so many different ways. Uh huh. How do we get past the idea that we have almost kind of, kind of transformed the definition of the word minister? Because mm. in the Bible, when it said minister, it meant serve yeah but if you'll pull up webster's dictionary in the modern day yeah it's not what the word means <laughs> yeah i i actually was uh studying once to to preach and i i i said well, let's look it up it says that that is the secondary definition now is serve yeah and the first definition is to speak in a religious setting <laughs> yeah right <laughs> So, how do we, maybe how is not the right word, but I'm trying to get my brain in the right frame for this question. Yeah. Um, how do we get okay with, maybe that's it, the idea that my calling may not be public. Yeah. 
Well, no one knows what I'm doing. <laughs> I think if we could, as a whole, as the church as a whole, if we could rediscover our why, our why we do what we do, yeah. right? Um, because I, I posed a question last night at dinner um, to several ministers. I, I asked them, if you were just to read the book of Acts, if you were just solely to read the book of Acts with no prior knowledge about church or uh, the way we do church, if you're just to read the book of Acts, would you get the same thing out of it that we're doing weekly on Sunday? And the answer was no. Because we've been influenced in so many different ways that ministers were literally to serve the people, but not to exercise lordship over them and, and be, uh, and I say this teasingly sometimes, I was not called, I'm not called, oh, that's my coffee pot. <laughs> I was not called and we're not called to be some kind of Pentecostal pope, you know, yeah. and, and because we do have to honor ministry um, and, and, and we love ministry and those that have ministered to us but we don't want to forget why we do what we do to be servants right but it's kind of like this church culture we've got to get back to what it's all about and it, it and it's serving because that's the thing we have a a church culture that predominantly is pulpit centric it is centered around the pulpit because that is that is the the visible ministry and it is one of the most influential ministries um and when we look at the we, we see that and that alone and everything becomes pulpit centric but there are so many things that are going on behind the scenes that um i've got intercessors that you will never know their names People that are praying for me all hours of the night while I'm traveling and while I'm home for that matter, but they will never be known and they're okay with that because without their prayers, it's like I am not as effective as I could be and there are so many things that are going on behind the scenes that if we are limited to just a pulpit-centric church structure and idea of ministry, we'll never reach that because it took so many steps for me to learn and to serve in different ways, right? See, when I, when I taught, I taught Sunday school. It's like I was serving those that I was teaching, right? And uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I hope this is making sense. Okay, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, there, there's so much behind the scenes that I did, and it's the things behind the scenes that God can enable me to stand in front of people and proclaim the gospel. Because it'll destroy you. It will. It will destroy you if you don't have the posture like David when he came to the battlefield that day, and he was already anointing, had an anointing on his life. But he came to the battlefield because his father gave him some food and said, go see how your brethren fare. And it's um, 
how you serve your brother on the sideline, it shows if God can trust you with slaying your giants in the spotlight, right? Yeah. Because after that, the girls are singing David's song. They're saying, Saul has slain his thousands, but David, he's a bad dude. He slayed his ten thousands. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know how to serve in the sidelines before you slay a giant in the spotlight or get to preach that message from the pulpit, then you're going to be destroyed by the praise that people give you. Oh, that was such a great... I'm telling you, I go places, and if I did not serve behind the scenes, people... I, I go places, and people, they... Oh, you did such a great job. Oh, that ministered to... Oh, that was amazing. I can't believe you put the way... You put it together in such a way. I've never heard it like that. And people will come, and they'll start singing your song. Of course, I know it was God. But when people start singing your name in their songs, if you don't have the posture of a servant, then you will be destroyed by the songs that people sing about you. Because that when you slay that giant in the spotlight, it's it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. But everybody, some people want the spotlight, others could care less. Yeah, others could care less. <laughs> you know, but that's the thing. And All are called to be a servant. I asked uh, I asked somebody recently. I said uh, they were talking about people talking about who was going to be the next pastor one day, and uh, I said you should just tell them. Oh, actually, we've been having a private conversation. Me and the pastor. And he's actually thinking about getting you. <laughs> right. And uh, and she uh, she told me she said um, some would be absolutely terrified, and some would be so excited. I said. And it's probably the ones that be terrified who do the best job. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, because it seems the more people want the public, the less they need the public. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I mean, prayer, prayer is service. Yeah. I, I really believe that I'm, uh, I was called to be an intercessor. Yeah. And pray on behalf of people. That's service, yeah. you know, and there'll be a lot of times when I'll come down from a pulpit and there's two ways to keep you from pride because pride goes before the fall. But there's a couple things you can do. First is be thankful because mm -hmm. thankfulness is acknowledging that it wasn't you, that it was God that enabled you, that gave you the opportunity, being thankful to the people for them to allow you to serve them. And be super set thankful. But then serve. I've come off that pulpit and I've picked up trash. Right? I've come off that pulpit and I, I, I'm traveling. And usually when I'm traveling, people are opening my door. People are uh, right this way, Brother Near, taking me into special rooms and doing all this and stuff. But even even then I'm like how can I serve I want to I was like man I can get my own door let me get the door for you and picking up trash right after why the anointing still flowing because that keeps me grounded you know uh, and uh, and in that context don't don't be the type of person that says oh I'm just keeping you humble yeah <laughs> no don't do that because uh, it's not your job to humble said, somebody he said God, God's the one who's 
supposed to keep us humble. Yeah, you, you can be just fine. The Bible even says it says that um, humble yourselves. Yes, under the mighty hand of God. So if you humble yourself, God won't have to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I heard this quote. It said, uh, "Being unthankful is worse than revenge. Revenge Ooh, wow. is returning evil for evil." Wow. Being unthankful is returning evil for good. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's powerful. I was like, Ooh. Our friend, uh, our friend Micah Narlock put that one in my. Oh man, he, good stuff. Well, we had um, a pastor in our church. He's our administrative pastor. He just said something that blew me away. Um, he said, "When seconds count, don't be minutes away." Whew. You know, so be ready. Be ready to serve at all times. Be ready to minister. Be ready to pray. Um, but we talked a lot about serving. What about transition? You were talking about yes. transition. Yes. Um, right. So, I, I mean, we, we kind of touched on it just a little bit. For how, how do you know when it's time? Yeah. How do you know when it is time to make a change to go from one thing to the next? Yeah. And I know it's probably different in every context. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of different... There's a lot of nuances in that. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, God might deal with people different. But for me, um, we were doing something. And when we got in the perfect will of God, doing what we felt was... The perfect will of God, evangelizing. We were evangelizing for 10 years. Um, and for the most part, it was just, I felt like it was it was so fulfilling. We're doing what God called. And we were like, we were just fulfilled, you know. And it came to a place where we weren't getting that same kind of feeling of fulfillment. It's like something was missing. Like there was something else, right? Because for, I, I, I mean, I literally was, felt like I was, I was born to be this evangelist, right? Um, because it like all of my characteristics and they did a, a thing called strength finders. It's a really neat thing where, you know, you find out your strengths. My top five strengths were adaptability, communication, strategy, ideation making up ideas and stuff it's like all this stuff was like geared towards evangelism but after a while it just kind of seemed like it wasn't the same i felt kind of empty in doing what i was doing and i started asking the questions god am i not doing something or do i need to do something else and it just little by little I didn't have somebody come along and say, it's time for you to be this and it's time for you to do that. There, there was none of that because God doesn't always have to put your mail in somebody else's mailbox. You should have a connection with God every day. How do you know the will of God? Here's how you know the will of God. You surrender your will every day and be seeking his will, right? And so it's personal, it's prayer. And I just knew that there was something empty. 
I felt God beginning to shift. Remember, because a moving target, it's e- or it's easier to steer something that's already in motion. I was in motion, but it's like God kind of let off the gas and things were starting to slow down and we weren't going full steam because that's when you're getting ready for a turn, right? So it's like we weren't going full steam and it's kind of like God let off the gas and so we were preparing for a change. And once we felt that it was it was something else, we had some things open up. Uh, my wife's grandfather actually had passed away. He'd asked us, come take the church, but it wasn't time. Because the timing of God, that's a whole nother thing. Because you can get the direction right but the timing wrong. Like Moses, he had a calling on his life from when he was a baby. He was born to be a deliverer. He was going to do great things for God. But here's the thing. He got his direction right and timing wrong. And he ended up seeing a Hebrew getting beat up by an Egyptian. And he's called to deliver the Hebrews. So he goes over, smacks this joker, kills him, buries him in the sand. And it's considered murder. So he's sent 40 years on the backside of a desert and we realize after 40 years God then says now's the time go go get my people out of Egypt so you can get the direction right timing wrong and if you get the timing wrong you'll make a mess of things so it's like we felt the direction but then we were waiting on the timing now that's where a pastor would come in You may have the direction. You got direction from God. That's where a youth pastor might come in. You get direction. You feel like you need to do something. But it maybe is not time. They will know timing. They can see from an external perspective whether you are ready internally for that direction to be taken. Right? So like when I felt evangelism calling... I was, I was kind of doing some preaching out, but then, because I was doing a lot of things at the home church. I was doing, I was youth pastor. I was outreach director. I mean, I, my last year being outreach director, I literally um, had thirty people straight off the streets that I took back to church, baptized in Jesus' name. They got the Holy Ghost. And we had people getting the Holy Ghost every service. And I was teaching Bible, eight Bible studies a week. They, things were going great. I was already in motion. But then we felt a turn coming. Because we were kind of losing steam in that arena. Um, and then I started preaching out a little bit. And I was just going and sitting and visiting services. My pastor let me go and sit some places. I said, hey, I just want to come sit in your service. And many times I have to come preach. But then that's when Pastor Cisco. He came along, just a prophet of God in my life. Um, he wasn't really in my life yet, but he came, preached revival for us. He brought what he called his travel jacket, which, you know, symbolic like his mantle. Um, and he put it on me. He prayed and prophesied. And essentially, he took a church and I took his place on the field. And he confirmed the timing, right? And that timing, it was confirmed with my pastor. It was confirmed with a prophet um, that the timing, but the direction was already set. But the timing 
had to be confirmed. So that's when we started evangelizing. But the same thing kind of happened when we started uh, feeling like we were supposed to pastor. It just kind of fell in place. Yeah. Right? So timing is important. Yeah. Direction is important. Yes. Uh, your driving illustration is like, you can turn the right speed in the right t- direction, but you t- you turn the right time, you turn the wrong time. Yeah, you're gonna be in the ditch. You're gonna be in a ditch. You're gonna hit a wall. Right. So many things can go wrong. Um, I I so many I've uh, I've heard so many people tell their stories of the first time that they preached, and I feel like mine's very different because I so many people are like, well, I went and told my pastor I was called to preach. He told me come to church and. Mow the yard. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's so strange to me because I went, my pastor, I told him I was called to preach, and he said, can you have something ready by Sunday? Yeah. And I was like, what? That's why talking to a pastor is important because he knows whether you're ready for Sunday. Yeah. Or if you need to take six months, take six years. Right. And you say, okay, let me get you there. That's so important. Sometimes you're ready and sometimes you're not. and It's all well, that's him. That's why the Bible talks about in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Yeah. It's because you need some people that can be honest, honest with you, you know, about where you are. Because we're pretty biased about ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and we have... A lot of times we have either over-exaggerated perspectives about ourselves or we have under-valued um, ourselves in some way. That's why he told us to be sober and you know think about ourselves, you know, not to think of ourselves more highly or less. So that's where people come in. Okay. So... You mentioned find. You also mentioned that strengths finder. Found that interesting. Um, yeah. But so, what we needed to know. We need to know our direction. We need to know uh, our timing. We need to know who we are and what we are. All yeah. those things are important for knowing when to change, knowing how to change. All those things are just very important. Uh, I think we're probably about ready to wrap up here because we've covered a lot. Yeah. Um, you have any final thoughts, any questions that I've not thought of to ask? Well, because I know there's there's so much we can do. Yeah, absolutely. No, it just seems a lot of times like the will of God and ministry, it may seem very daunting from where somebody is right now coming into church or thinking about committing themselves. But here's the deal. Sometimes it does seem daunting when you look at the big picture. But if you want to be used of God, just start with daily prayer and reading your word, reading the word of God. Because you will not know the will of God in the 
biggest sense of it, of a biggest sense of knowing the will of God, unless you know what is God's will for today. What does God want me to do today? And that's why Paul said, I die daily. He was literally saying, okay, God, I got my wants. This is what I want to do today, but I'm laying them down at your feet. What do you have for me to do today? So don't focus on 10 years from now. (coughs) Don't focus on 20 years from now. Focus on finding his will just for today. Submitting your will today. And by the time you get 10 10 years down the road, you've taken a, a million baby steps in the right direction and you will ultimately end up in the perfect will of God. So start with baby steps. They say that old, the, the old um, parable, the journey of a million miles begins with one step. Yeah. Just start today. Walk with him every day. And I'm telling you, a million baby steps will ultimately culminate in the perfect will of God in your life. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like that bring come all comes back to where I was talking about earlier, of uh, being the little kid saying, "I don't know what I want to do when I grow up," because who knows what the world will be like when I grow up. Right. Uh, I I genuinely was asking the question. I was like, I don't want know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm still right. I'm still five. I'm still ten. Right. I, I, and I've seen so many changes. Careers that was an option when I was five aren't an, are aren't an option now, and the careers that weren't an option when well, I was five are an option now. That's that's the thing. When I got into church, I didn't know what I was going to ultimately do. I I never saw myself being in Colorado. I never thought I'd leave Iowa. I never thought I'd leave the east side of Des Moines. <laughs> Right? Because I thought that that was just my lot in life. I never saw God taking me around the world to preach the gospel. That was nowhere on my radar when I got the Holy Ghost. But I just wanted to be saved. I just wanted to be pleasing to my heavenly father. I mean, that sounds cliche, but I lost my earthly father. So I was like, I heard he was my heavenly father and I wanted to please him. Yeah. Right? And then just every day, just wanting to please him. So just do the right thing right now. Every day, right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. Do the right thing right now, and it makes it a whole lot easier to do the right thing 10 years from now. Right? That's it. Because I'm telling, that's how people get discouraged. There's, There's this gap between where I am and where I need to be. See... Being right with God is not necessarily a destination, it's a direction. That's what he said about the prodigal son when he was in the pig pen, right? The Bible said that he came to himself, he had an awareness about where he was, and he knew where he needed to be. But the Bible says when he started to head the right direction, the father came running. So just start heading the right direction and the father will meet you. So don't get discouraged when, okay, you come to yourself, you're aware of where you are, and you're not where you need to be. 
It's like, don't let that defeat you. Don't let that discourage you. Just start heading that right direction and God will make up the difference. I promise you. Just start heading the right direction and he will make up the difference. So you said, make sure you're praying. Make sure you're reading the Bible. Yeah. Get those two things right. Yep. And a whole lot more will come along. Absolutely. Do the right thing right now. Ten years from now, it'll take care of itself. Right. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you. Well, I'll talk to you uh, next week. And uh, thank you, Brother Nair, for being here. Yes, with sir. Us. Yes, sir.